Welcome to Lamb of God Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Worried about the health of others, maybe worried about your health. But in the midst of this coronavirus, you can know, no matter how you feel, what circumstances you're facing, I am with you always until the end of the age. The end of what age? This age, this age of a fallen world. So as you've given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit now lives within you. You can be absolutely certain. Remember between now and your passing that Christ is with you. He is personally present in your heart and life. I don't think we can take that for granted, can we? Can we for a moment take for granted the fact that the Christ lives in us by the power of the Holy Spirit? This personal presence. What a promise. I am with you always to the very end of the age. No doubt, no question, no afterthought, no second guessing. The second verse we looked at was in John 14, John 14, 27. And this related to his personal peace. As with presence, it has a long history in the Israelite nation. The Lord promises to be with his people. We are his people now in the new covenant promise in Jesus. And now as a result of what Jesus has done, we can also experience another truth that Israel longed for. And that was shalom, personal peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And this peace is not just a psychological or personal, uh, a psychological peace, something I feel, uh, I feel a peace about it, we often say. But it's also a peace that we're right with God. We're also a peace that we know that in the end time, our, our, our relationship with the Lord is secure. It's a peace to know that I'm never going to be rejected by the Lord, and I'm not ever going to be condemned because of my sin, because of what Christ has done on the cross. Because of this peace, I can be settled. I don't have to work at earning my salvation or trying to gain God's approval because I have Christ, and he has made all things right. He has given me his peace. So let's look at that verse for a moment. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give to and I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. I think it's the word of the Lord for us in the midst of the season. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be uh, with the economy up and down. We don't have to be afraid. With the virus spreading in some places more than others, we don't have to be afraid. Uh, The jobs and finances, we don't have to be afraid. The Lord is faithful. He will meet those needs, and he will operate in our lives. He will give us his peace. Paul described it as a peace that passes all understanding. In other words, that's a peace that you can't describe. Someone asks you to explain how in the midst of this moment and all this anxiety that many people were feeling, you sense such a loveliness and such a sweetness in your intimate relationship with the Lord. And you try to put in the words and you can't because it's a peace that passes explanation. And it's a peace that comes deep within our hearts. So we have a personal presence in Jesus. We have personal peace. And then we go to 1 John 1.7. 1 John 1.7. Even as believers, obviously, we still struggle with sin. We still have the flesh or the sin nature in some of your translations that still pulls on us and tempts us and draws us to want to sin and to fall into uh, lying or maybe stealing or distorting or uh, sinning in some way. And often as believers, we fail. And often we will 
try to do things to try to attempt to get back to where we were before. But the Lord Jesus Christ tells us that he has a personal purity that he wants to give us. That now in this moment, in this coronavirus moment, even if we find ourselves anxious and we find ourselves angry or we find ourselves um, bitter in the midst of this, we can repent and we can find forgiveness and we can find a personal purity. Look with me at 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So as we look to Christ in faith, we experience his light, his purity, his holiness. As we do experience that, we become aware of our fallenness and our need for cleansing. As a result, we can look to Christ and know that his blood, his shed blood, his work on the cross, it's constantly cleansing us from sin. So we're looking to him in faith. We're getting our hearts right with the Lord and with other people as we have fellowship with one another. And as we're doing this process and as we're abiding in the spirit and as we're walking in his presence and constantly sensing his uh, working in our hearts and lives, we then know that he's purifying us by the work of the cross and he cleanses us from our sin and he's renewing us by his spirit. And he's washing away the thing that most plagues us, me, my, the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. He's dealing with our selfishness and pride, and he's also cleansing us from that sinfulness. Dudley Hall, an old favorite teacher of mine, and many of you, he used to say, we would think we're nine steps away from God, so I must do nine st- things to get back right with God. But Dudley used to say, no, there's just one thing you need to do, and that's just repent. And Christ's blood takes care of the rest, and he's the one who makes us right with God. because of him we stand in no condemnation in Romans 8. So we have personal presence during this time, this blessed life. In this very moment, we can know we have Christ's personal presence. We have his personal peace. We have his personal purity. Now, I want to expand a little bit from last week and go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I got into seasons for several years that I was constantly preaching this. At, um, and I preached this at a Lenten retreat. <clears throat> and I was reminded that, uh, that uh, I had preached the Reformation doctrine <laughs> of justification. And I wasn't even trying. But that's, if I achieved that goal, then that was wonderful. So 2 Corinthians 5.17. From now on, uh, let's start with verse 16, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 or 17, if you're looking on your phone or in your Bible. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, we don't look at people from a worldly perspective and judge them by their outward appearance. We don't uh, value them how much money they have or what their beauty is or how talented they are. We judge them from a different perspective. We judge them from what Christ has done in their heart, that they're valued and special. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer. In other words, we thought Christ was a failure. We thought he was an outcast. We thought he was a criminal. But we're no longer looking in this way because we see he was taking our place. He was taking upon uh, our sin upon himself. So we no longer look at him that way. We see him as a victorious savior. So we no longer look at pe- we look at people differently. And as a result of that, therefore, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. He is, uh, the old has gone, the new has come. You're a different person. He didn't, Christ didn't just come and fix you, put a patch on you like an old set of jeans or darn some socks. 
to try to fix you up. No, he made you entirely new within. You're a new creation. You've been changed. You're now, your identity is now in Christ. All of this is from God, who's reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Now, our goal now, because we're changed people, instead of focusing on ourselves and worrying about our relationship with the Lord and have to be self-conscious all the time, we're free. We're free because we know we're approved in God and accepted in him. We're free because we're transformed in Christ and we're accepted in the beloved. We're free because we know we're a son of God and we're adopted into God's family. We're free. Therefore, we can minister. We can focus outward. We can work. We can serve because I don't have to be so focused on myself. I can know I'm set in Christ. And so this a new identity is what we would call it. So we have personal presence. We have personal peace. We have a personal purity and we have a personal identity. And that identity is now in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 we're often asked as preachers, how is this be? What do I need to do to be in Christ? What do I need to enjoy these privileges? What do I need to do to change? But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, it is because of him. This is 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Because of who? Because of God. Because he has drawn you, have looked to him in faith. You've received his righteousness. You've been set apart into him and his holiness, and you've been redeemed. You've been set free of the slavery of sin. It's because of what God has done that you're placed in Christ, and you're in union with him, and therefore you have a new identity. This union in Christ means that what is true of Christ has become true of us. Our union with Christ is the revelation that Christ's death is our deliverance from sin. His burial was our putting away of sin. His resurrection is our triumph over sin. His ascension is the removal of our separation from God caused by sin. Through faith, the Holy Spirit creates this bond with Christ, and he penetrates, indwells, immerses, pervades our lives by the Holy Spirit's presence. This is the doctrine we often call union with Christ. The simple way to remember it, what's true of Christ is true of us. If Christ is loved of the Father, we are loved. If Christ is accepted of the Father, we are accepted. If Christ is holy, we are holy. If Christ is exalted, we are exalted. If Christ has defeated the enemy, he, we have defeated the enemy. If Christ was sinless, he has given us the power to overcome the temptations and walk apart from sin. What is true of him has become true of us. So let's look at it for a moment. What is true of Christ? He is loved. Ephesians 1.4, in love he predestined us. What's the true of Christ? And he was the chosen one, the anointed one, the Messiah. He was chosen in God, in God the Father's heart, to set us aside in him. So you were chosen, 1 Thessalonians 1.4, by love, in love, God chose you. You're chosen in Christ. You're set aside for him. And he's pouring his heart and his love in you. And how was this choosing made? Because he was angry or wanted to pick on you? No, it was in love. In love, he came and set you apart unto himself. And then in Christ, you are set free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. No one was more free than Christ. John 8, 36. And you are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, it's all your sins been removed, as we've talked about throughout this message that Christ has dealt thoroughly with our sin, and we no longer have to regret the past. We no longer have to feel burdened by the past. Failures, embarrassments, guilt, and shame 
our sin has been removed in Christ as we look to him in faith and he has forgiven us. Psalm 10312. Psalm 10312. And as I've already mentioned, you're made new in Christ. You have a new identity. You're a completely new person. That was 2 Corinthians 5:17. And now you're a child of God. 1 John 3, 1. We're so thankful today that he has made us his own. And what love he has lavished upon us, John says, that we should be called the children of God. We're a part of his family. We're not outsiders looking in. Many of us have had bad experiences in our past. Maybe remember in high school, not being part of the group or the clique. But you're included in Christ. You don't have to stand outside looking in. You're part of his family. You're part of all the blessings and privileges of the family of God, the people of God. And you're his adopted son in his family. This is elaborated upon a good deal in Romans and in Galatians. But if you want a particular verse, Romans 8, 14, you're adopted into God's family. And then last, and there, the list could go on and on. I have a book this thick of just... Every time Paul mentions the word in Christ, through Christ, included in Christ, everything, the, the, the New Testament scholar elaborated on every instance of who we are, our identity in Christ, that what is true of him is true of us. You're a citizen of heaven in Philippians 3.20. So you no longer have to worry about eternity. If for some awful reason, the virus was to come and it would set you back. You don't have to worry if you've given your heart to Christ, you've looked to him in faith, you're a citizen of heaven and you will be Christ forever. So we've got this morning, his presence, his peace, his purity. And as a result of Christ, we're a new person in Christ. We have his identity in Christ. So whether we're battling coronavirus or finances or worried about unemployment, or if we're lonely being self-isolated in our little house, or whether we will look at the news all day and the politicians scare us with some of the crazy things they say, or do or don't do, or should do, we remember this. Christ is present. We have Jesus' peace. We have his personal purity. And we have his identity. We have his personal identity in Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Hope to see you next time.